is Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you are listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345 or 334-844-WEAGLE, and you can also find me on Instagram at Lock. Let's climb into the nest. Welcome into the Eagle's Nest. I'm your host, Daniel Locke, coming to you live from the Bradley Basin Studio and the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University. We have a great show for you here today. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to shoot me a tweet at Daniel J. Locke or DM me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. Without further ado, let's get into the action. Week 7 of college football was a very fun one. You know here on, on the Eagle's Nest and everywhere at Weagle, it's all Auburn first. So, our Auburn Tigers took a trip up to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the number 17 Arkansas Razorbacks. They came home with a big win, getting it done by a score of 38-23. to Bo Nix played fantastic, going 21-26 of for 292 yards and two touchdowns. Only one interception, which is definite improvement. K.J. Jefferson led the Razorbacks well, but they fell just short. K.J. went 21 of 35 for 228 yards and two touchdowns. K.J. also led the Hogs in rushing, picking up 66 yards off of 18 carries. Tank Bigsby was Auburn's leading rusher, picking up 68 yards and one touchdown off of 18 carries. Demetrius Robertson had two very effective receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. He was our Tigers' leading receiver on Saturday. Arkansas's leading receiver was Traylon Burks, who caught nine passes that were good for 109 yards and two touchdowns. Bo Nix did a great job of spreading the ball around, and they just the offense looked very good in general. They looked a lot more skilled than they did the previous week. I look forward to seeing how they get better from here as Auburn welcomes Ole Miss next weekend for a big matchup on Halloween Eve. Auburn showed a lot of room for improvement on the defensive side of the ball. The Tigers allowed 460 yards, which isn't isn't great, but you know it, it's it's a start. 232 on the ground and 228 through the air. These numbers definitely need to get limited as Auburn has a very tough conference slate yet, playing a lot of great offenses. But Auburn controls their destiny at this point. They do not have a single game left on this schedule that is unwinnable. Alabama is beatable this year. Texas A&M proved that a few weeks ago. I'm very excited for the remainder of this season. Don't give up yet, Auburn fans, and if you have, now's the time to tune back in. We have a huge matchup next Saturday night with the Ole Miss Rebels, Jordan-Hare Stadium at 6 p.m. We need you there. We need you loud. We need you proud. We need to show why people hate playing Auburn. And... It just it needs to be a great atmosphere, and I know Auburn can bring it. Kind of looking into the rest of college football this week, on Friday night I got my Pac-12 after dark fix as the California Golden Bears went to play the ninth-ranked Oregon Ducks, and I have to hand it to them. Cal played a lot better than their record might implicate. Chase Garbers of the Bears went 25-44 of 44 for 247 yards and two touchdowns. Anthony Brown of the Oregon Ducks went 20 of 28 for 244 yards and one touchdown. Your leading rusher for Cal was Christopher Brooks, who picked up 68 yards off of 14 carries. 
Oregon's leading rusher, Travis Dye, no surprise there, who got 145 yards off of 19 carries. Oregon's leading receiver was also Travis Dye, 73 yards, 7 receptions. Very good day there. Travis Dye is special. He's very talented, and he's fun to watch. I, I enjoy watching him and the rest of this Ducks team do what they do. In a big double overtime matchup, the 24th-ranked San Diego State Aztecs were on the road against the San Jose State Spartans, and this was a fun one. I didn't get to watch it live, but I was watching highlights after the game. Jordan Brookshire of San Diego State went 13 of 27 for 132 yards. Nick Nash of San Jose State went 16 of 34 for 228 yards. He did throw an interception, but it was not... Not in a very, very costly time, but, you know, it was, it was a good. I love double overtime games. They're, it's fun because you get your share of overtime football, but it's not excessive to the point where all you can think about is just moving on to something else. Greg Bell's your leading rusher for the Aztecs, who picked up 41 yards off of 19 carries. Tyler Nevins was your leading rusher for the San Jose State Spartans, who picked up 74 yards off of 28 carries. Very good day there. Perhaps one of the biggest upsets of the week and definitely one of the most exciting games, the 20th-ranked Florida Gators traveled down to the Bayou to take on Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers, who didn't seem too distracted from the news that Coach O will not be returning to LSU next season. Max Johnson had a, a, a decent enough day, going 14 of 24 for 133 yards and three touchdowns which is definitely, those are game manager numbers, but he got the job done, so I can't take that away from him. Florida had a little bit of a a quarterback um, scramble this week, which Anthony Richards was 10 for 19 with 167 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Emory Jones um, got pulled. He went 12 of 19 for 161 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. I think that might ultimately be what led to Emory getting pulled for the interceptions early because Anthony came in and did a lot better. Anthony Richards was also Florida's leading rusher, picking up 37 yards off of seven carries for one touchdown. Your leading rusher for LSU was Tyrion Davis-Price, who had an amazing day picking up 287 yards off of 36 carries for three touchdowns. Those numbers remind me of Mark Ingram's Heisman season at Alabama. That is nuts, and it was a really cool performance. I love seeing explosive running back performances. You don't really get to see those much anymore. Jerry Jenkins was LSU's leading receiver. He picked up 50 yards off of four receptions and caught all three of Max Johnson's touchdowns. Florida's leading receiver, Justin Shorter, of course, 113 yards off of six catches, two touchdowns. Very entertaining game. I look forward to kind of seeing where LSU goes from here and how Florida can bounce back. The Texas A&M Aggies, who picked up some momentum the week before, traveled to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Missouri Tigers. A&M kept rolling, picking up the 35-14 win. Zach Calzada went 13 of 25 for 148 yards. 
and a very, very fun performance. I enjoyed watching this one. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, ranked 12th in the nation, traveled out to play the 25th-ranked Texas Longhorns, and this was a very fun one to watch. Unfortunately, Casey Thompson of Texas threw for one more yard than Spencer Sanders. Any of my loyal Eagles Nest listeners know how much we love Spencer Sanders and how much we talk him up, but... Spencer went 19 of 32 for 178 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Casey Thompson of the Texas Longhorns went 15 of 27 for 179 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. So, at least our man Spencer Sanders can hold his hat on the fact that he threw less interceptions than Casey Thompson. Way to go, Spencer. Us here at the Eagles Nest are always going to support you. Jalen Warren had a great day on the ground for Oklahoma State, picking up 193 yards off of 33 carries. This was a great running back game on the other side as well of Bijan Robinson, picking up 135 yards off of 21 carries for two touchdowns. What a week for running backs. That is insane. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. The 2.30 CBS slot was the 11th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats traveling to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs, who are the best team in the country. I don't think anyone's disputing that at this point. They played that matchup between the hedges. Will Levis did what he could, but the Georgia defense proved it was just too much to handle. Levis went 32 of 42 for 192 yards and two touchdowns. Stetson Bennett had a good day. 14 of 20 for 250 yards and three touchdowns. He is the perfect game manager. That is all I'm willing to give Stetson Bennett. The running back game didn't really continue here. Um, There's not really any outstanding performances rushing the ball in this game. Brock Bowers was the Bulldogs' leading receiver, getting 101 yards and two touchdowns off of five catches. A very effective day if I do say so myself. Perhaps the biggest upset of the week, the unranked Purdue Boilermakers traveled out to Iowa to play the number two Iowa Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium, and they pulled off the upset, and it was a lot of fun to watch. I I always enjoy seeing um, unranked teams beat ranked teams, particularly on the road. Aiden O'Connell had a great day for Purdue, going 30 of 40 for 375 yards and two touchdowns. Spencer Patris on the other side for Iowa, 17 of 32 for four interceptions. This Purdue defense did such a good job on an Iowa offense that you know hasn't been so bad this year. But what you've really got to talk about in this Iowa-Purdue game is David Bell. What a day. 240 yards for Purdue, one touchdown off of only 11 catches. That That is awesome, and wow, that, that's all I can say. What a performance from him. Perhaps one of the more interesting games um, we've seen this year, Lane Kiffin and the 13th-ranked Ole Miss Rebel, Rebels traveled to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the unranked Tennessee Volunteers, and Tennessee almost had them there, folks. It was a controversial, people say, I don't think it was controversial. Um, The guy was short, I'm sorry. 
but Jacob Warren was short. That's all I'm going to say on that. But obviously, a lot of people at Neyland Stadium didn't agree with me as things were thrown at Ole Miss players. A golf ball hit Lane Kiffin. He kept it as a souvenir, which is the most Lane Kiffin thing I've ever heard. Um, I I was kind of shocked. I, I didn't really expect to see anything like that. And that just goes to show behind the visiting team bench might not be the best place for a student section. They should probably go along with the flow and put them in one of the end zones like is standard everywhere else. Matt Corral went 21-38, going for 231 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Hendon Hawker for Tennessee, 17-26, 233 yards and one touchdown. We had a, two really good rushing performances here. Hendon Hawker, 108 yards and one touchdown off of 23 carries. Matt Corral for Ole Miss, 195 yards off of 30 carries. What a day for dual-threat quarterbacks. He had two really good performances here in this game. The best receiving performance is Vellis Jones Jr. for Tennessee. He picked up 93 yards off of six receptions. Alabama made easy work of Mississippi State, taking the win on the road in Starkville 49-9. Bryce Young went 20 of 28 for 348 yards and four touchdowns. Will Rogers of Mississippi State went 30 of 55 for 300 yards, throwing three picks. Roy Dell Williams was the leading rusher for Alabama for the first time, picking up 78 yards off of 11 carries. Roy Dell went to high school just down the road from me in Hueytown, Alabama, so I always support players who are from areas close to where I grew up. That is going to do it for the college football portion of today's show. When we come back, we'll be discussing a UFC event happening this weekend as well as the NBA getting underway. And we have a special surprise for you all. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. This is your host, Daniel Locke. We will be right back. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. We have a very special surprise as my man, my good friend, Jacob Goins, is joining me in the studio. Jacob, how are you today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, we always have so much fun on Moonlight Madness. I decided to replicate that here today, and I look forward to having a good conversation, a little gloss over UFC, and then moving on to the NBA. So this weekend, UFC is having one of their fight night events, and normally these aren't the most noteworthy things in the world, but this is an exception. You have a loaded card, a lot of debuts being made in this one, and then you have the main event, and it's just the main card's loaded as well. Number The second-ranked middleweight in the world, Paulo Costa, is going off against the fifth-ranked middleweight in the world, Marvin Vittori, and I'm just very excited for this one. So there are two prelim fights I really want to talk about. In the flyweight division, Jeffrey Molina is going up against Daniel Da Silva, Jeffrey is the favorite to win. The money line is down 150 in his favor. For Da Silva, it is up 130. Da Silva is making his UFC debut after fighting in Cage Warriors for the past four years. I'm very excited to see what he can do. But against a veteran like Jeffrey Molina, he'll need to bring it. Mason Jones is going off against David Onama in a lightweight bout. 
Onama is a heavy favorite despite it being his UFC debut. He is down one or six seventy five. The money line for Jones is up four seventy five. The last prelim I'm going to talk about: Gregory Rodriguez versus Jun Yong Park. Park is the favorite to win. His odds are minus one twenty. Gregory Rodriguez's are up one hundred. This should this fight will shape the future of the middleweight division. Hold me to that. There are two more fights we're going to talk about here today before we get into the NBA portion of today's segment. Ricky Glenn, Grant Dawson in a lightweight bout. Grant Dawson, his odds are minus 300. Ricky Glenn's are plus 235. I've got to go with the underdog here. Grant Dawson's last two performances have been underwhelming. Ricky Glenn's on the come up. Glenn gets it done. In the main event for this weekend's fight, number two, middleweight in the world, Paulo Costa, going off against number fifth ranked middleweight in the world, Marvin Vittori. Martin's the favorite to win, but once again, going with the underdog with Paulo Costa. That's going to close it out for the UFC talk. Jacob, why don't we talk about some NBA? All right. That's, that's more of my forte for sure. I got you, man. So who is your team again? So I'm a Clippers fan. The NBA is weird for me because – I, I really enjoy the NBA. I like watching it, I, but I like watching all the teams. It's one of the it's one of the major sports that I am not just a diehard fan of one team, but I've been a Clippers fan since back in the Lob City days. So you could say I'm a Clippers fan, but I I really just enjoy watching the NBA in general. I'm the same way. I'm a recent Celtics fan. I've kind of had a lot of different favorite teams. I got my start when I was playing NBA 2K13 back in the day with um, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook on the Thunder. Yeah. Then I kind of, as time went on, I went to a Pelicans game and I fell in love with them for a little while. Then I went out to San Antonio, Texas, became a Spurs fan. And um, a lot of my friends are Celtics fans, so I've kind of adopted that fandom. And I've been rocking with them for about two years now. Pretty excited for this season. So have you gotten to watch a good bit of NBA so far this year? Uh, yeah, I've gotten to watch a few of the games. Um, I was able to watch some, the two opening night games for a little bit. And then last night I watched the, well, I didn't, I guess I didn't watch it, but I kept up with the Knicks and the Celtics where Marcus Smart hit the the buzzer beater to send it to overtime. And then the Knicks ultimately beating them at Madison Square Garden. So I got to keep up with that one. So that was pretty good. That game was tough and disappointing, but Hey, it was good. Yeah, I was, uh, we were down at Moe's watching the Braves game, but we were able to keep up with that game. I saw I saw the game winner, and then I saw the Knicks pull away. So I haven't got to watch as much of the NBA as I would probably like to, but hopefully I'm able to watch them, especially this weekend coming up with Auburn being on a bye. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to hopefully watching basketball this weekend. I'll be making a trip over to Atlanta, so not sure how much leisure time I'll have, but hopefully it's enough to look into some stuff a little bit. So the season leaders so far this year. LeBron's your leader in points. Any surprise there? No, I mean, I don't think he'll be the leading scorer by the end of the year, but, you know, he, he had a good game in their first one. So I think you're looking at somebody like, like Steph or somebody like him to be your leading scorer by the end of the season. But as of right now, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's LeBron. I got you. So assist leader, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Steph Curry looks like he might be leading these Warriors to a resurgence. As someone who didn't like the Warriors in the first run because they annoyed me, i got to love seeing this. It reminds me of the good old days when life was simple, 
when I was in seventh grade and I could just come home, do my five math problems for tonight and just relax. Man, what a time. But what a time for sports. Yeah, that's definitely a um, a, a blast of the past with Steph Curry and the Warriors trying to become good again. And hopefully we're able to see Clay Thompson come back from injury. I'm hoping – or what I was reading and hearing that it's a few months out, so hopefully he can come back and, and stay healthy because of just how good he is and the Splash Brothers get back to doing what they do best. And I talked about it on Moonlight Madness, Jordan Poole, excuse me, Jordan Poole being so good and just playing so well. Now I think the Warriors really have a chance to, to do some danger out in the West. Yeah, I hope so. I would That would make me happy to see the Splash Bros get back to it. So how about this? Patty Mills is leading the NBA in three-pointers made. Yeah, early on, you know, we, we, we'll see a lot of these guys who aren't the big, big names do some, you know, do some damage on their teams, make an impact, and Patty Mills is one of those guys. I think he, he is a, a player that can really have an impact no matter what team he's on, no matter how many minutes he plays, because he plays hard, he's smart, and he knows what he's doing. He played for Greg Popovich for so many years that the guy can just play basketball. He knows what he's doing, so it's really cool to see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Giannis leading the way so far in rebounds. I don't think that's a surprise. Mm. Brooke Lopez leading the way in blocks, followed closely by Kevin Durant. How about that? Yeah, well, Kevin Durant getting some hustle on the defensive end, I guess. It's a little shocking, but he's got some length. In this one, Steph Curry and Rajon Rondo are leading the NBA in steals. Yeah, Rajon Rondo has always been good stealing the ball. When it comes to the defensive side, he's always been good at that. And Steph, too. Steph has really been active on the defensive end the last couple of years, so not no surprises there so far. I got you. We talked about this a little bit on the Eagles' net, not the Eagles' net, excuse me, on Moonlight Madness yesterday, but who do you have winning it all this year in the NBA? So I've got the Milwaukee Bucks repeating as NBA champions. I just think Giannis is too good. He's in his prime right now, and... I just I think the Bucks have a they have the players to get it done. They play in the weaker Eastern Conference. They're gonna get there, and I think the Nets are the only one that stand in their way in the East. And I don't I don't think Brooklyn gets it done. I think they have a lot of firepower, but I almost think they have too much, and their egos on that team are just too big. So I had the Bucks repeating again. I remember us agreeing on that yesterday, which is I believe the only category we agreed on, but. Who do you have getting MVP? So my MVP pick was, oh, I'm trying to remember who I picked to win MVP. Oh, it was Kevin Durant. I picked Kevin Durant. So shockingly, I think the Nets probably have the best season in the East. I think they may even be the number one seed. I think we're going to see Kevin Durant win the MVP award, but I think the Bucks are still going to get it done. But give me Kevin Durant as MVP. I got you. I like that pick. I remember I took Luka Doncic. Yeah, I like that pick. He's Lucas is getting better every year, so we'll see how he does with that with that Dallas team and see how he does in the West. Who do you have for rookie of the year? My rookie of the year, I had Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. I think he is a generational talent. I think he's got a lot of skills, a lot of he's just got what it takes. I think he's very lengthy. He can score the basketball at will, and his defense is going to be what sets him apart from all the other rookies. I got you. I remember I took Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors in that one. I think that he's going to make a difference this year, and I think he'll be a part of getting this Raptors team back to where they were just two short years ago. 
What yeah. about for sixth man of the year? So we were just talking about him a second ago. I like Patty Mills. Patty Mills, I think he, like I said, he's got he's got what it takes. He he's a he's a hustler. He grinds and he comes. A, he is a a fantastic player to come off the bench for any team. So I like Patty Mills, sixth man of the year. I got you. I'm going with D Rose. Always been a big D Rose guy. I was very sad when he got hurt and. Just really, if he hadn't gotten that leg injury, I would love to know where he would be now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we love Derrick Rose for sure, no matter where he's at. So, defensive player of the year, I'm taking Joel Embiid. Yeah, I was indecisive between Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. I think both of them are just outstanding players, both, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But. I think it could be either one of them. I'm still indecisive on that, but either Rudy Gobert of the Jazz or Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think Anthony Davis is a dark horse MVP candidate, so keep that in mind. I do too. I agree with that take. Um, I have a lot of good memories from AD back in my time as a Pelicans fan. I kind of miss those days, but you know, he's on the better things. And you can only stay in an organization like the Pelicans are just going to waste your talent for so long. That yeah, fit. he he did what he could do down there, but they just didn't really give him any help, so he did what he had to do. Yeah, I I was mad at first, but now I support him. So for most improved player, I'm rocking with Jalen Brown of my Boston Celtics. I don't care if I get called a homer. Where are you going with that? So talked about him as well just a little bit ago. Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors. That guy is drastically improved from what he used to be. He has come alive so far in the first couple games this season I just think he's going to be huge off the bench for that Warriors team he's a great player to put in when Steph is on the bench because obviously Steph can't play the entire game he can't play all 48 minutes so Jordan Poole coming in is huge for the Warriors he can handle the ball he can run the offense and he can score the guy can just score the basketball he can shoot extremely well off the dribble or catch and shoot or just drive the lane and finish. I like everything about Jordan Poole and his game. I think he is going to be your most improved player by the end of this season. I got you. I like that take a lot. So the last one for coach of the year, I'm going with, I'm going to keep up the resurgent Warriors theme, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Okay, um, I'm trying to think who I think will be your coach of the year. I'm actually not sure about who I would pick to be the NBA coach of the year this year. I could see I could see Ty Lue being being the coach of the year. I think he could could really have a, a good season. So I'll go with Ty Lue. I got you. That's fair. I yeah, I, I can support that. I can get behind that. Well that is going to do it for the NBA and UFC portion of today's show. When we come back, MLB postseason. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. My good buddy Jacob Goins here with the, here with me in the studio today. Gosh, what a mouthful. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest. This is Daniel Locke right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Today, a special treat for you all. We have my man Jacob Goins in the studio with us talking some sports action. In the last segment, we broke down a little bit of what's going on in the UFC this weekend, and then we moved in into our NBA predictions now that the season is underway. And now, in my 
in what, in my opinion, is the best time of the year, MLB postseason. Jacob and I are both big Red Sox guys. They're kind of on some hard knocks right now, which is very unfortunate because they started this series so electric. Jacob, what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, in my opinion, for the ALCS and the NLCS as they stand right now, with Houston up 3-2 on the Red Sox and the Braves up 3-1 on the Dodgers, both of those series, they're over. Who's winning right now is going to win it. And I said that last night was the deciding night in both series. When the, so the ALCS, it was tied up at two between the Astros and the Red Sox. And last night in the NLCS, it was 2-1 Braves over Dodgers. And I said whichever teams won their games last night are going to go on and win their series. So Houston's up 3-2. I think they go on and just get it done in game six. And the Braves up 3-1. I think they'll drop a game tonight, but the Braves will get it done in game six at home. I agree with that. I think so, too. I really, really hope the Red Sox can get this pulled out. But, you know, they had game one in hand, choked it away. They had, what was it, game four or game five, which was the one that they scored nine runs or seven runs in the ninth. That would have been game five. That was under control, but I just don't know what I don't know what happened to them. They just completely fell flat. Yeah, and the problem is, and I've talked about this before, the problem with teams like Houston and L.A. is their bats are so electric and they're so hot when they get going is that if you give those teams a chance, they're going to make you pay for it. And the Red Sox got up 2-1. And they were up in that, or I guess it was game four, I can't remember. But either way, the Red Sox were up in the series and in the game, and they blew it, and they let the Astros come back, and now the Astros are winning 3-2 in the series. And they're going back to Houston for game six and seven. So a team like the Astros, you can't give them a chance because they will come back, and they're going to beat you if you give them a shot. And that's the thing that the Braves have done so well over in the NL is the Dodgers have one win. But the Dodgers have been shut down this series. The Braves are up 3-1 for a reason. Their pitching has been phenomenal. They've hit the ball well enough to, to score and to get base runners and hit home runs, and they just haven't given the Dodgers a, a chance at life. So the Braves have done that perfect. They're up 3-1. They got three chances to win one to move on to the World Series. I really think they get that done. I think we will be watching Braves baseball in the Fall Classic for the first time since 1999. I wasn't alive for that. Were you around? I was not. Nope. And it's 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 unfortunate, but good at the same time. I'm a Red Sox and a Braves fan, and so you know I'm obviously cheering both of my teams on. But as it's looking right now, it looks like only the Braves are going to make it. Hopefully, knock on wood. And then at that point, exactly. And at that point, then I only have to cheer for one team. So, and I think, and I I've I've thought about it a lot, and. I want the Braves to win it this year. I've seen three Red Sox World Series wins in my lifetime, and they've been awesome. They've been fantastic. But I've never seen a Braves one in my lifetime. So I think I want the Braves to get it done this year. So we'll see. I'm starting to look at tickets for the World Series just in case, but, man, they're outrageous right now. Yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, my dad, he, he's from Mobile. He's a diehard Braves fan. Um, biggest baseball fan I know, biggest Braves fan I know. 
So I have a feeling that if the uh, Braves move on, um, I'll be able to say, hey, Christmas, let's do it. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll see. Braves got to get there first. They were up 3-1 last year on this Dodgers team, and they blew it. So Braves got to get it done first. Yeah, I remember personally looking ahead and bragging at work. I worked with these two guys. They're twin brothers, huge Dodger fans. They came in the next day after Game 7, and what did I hear? Uh, <laughs> that, that was just yep. too far. But the Braves got to get it done. You got to get through these Dodgers. I think they will, though. Like you mentioned, was it? Four chances? No. So you got three chances to yeah. win one game. You got game five, six, and seven. You got game five in L.A. and then game six and seven at home. And I, the one thing I said about the Braves in this series was when they went to L.A., they had three straight games because of the 2-3-2 two, two setup. I said the Braves had to go and win one game in L.A. That's all they had to do. And they did. They got their win. So now they have three games to figure it out and get that last win. Whether they do it tonight in L.A. again or if they decide they want to do it in game six or seven at home, that's up to them. But personally, I hope the Braves just go ahead and wrap it up tonight because the longer this series goes on, the more momentum the Dodgers build, and that's just better for the Dodgers and worse for the Braves. Yeah, that's my take too. Get it done. I mean, it's better to win at home, but who cares? Just win, win, win. The fans would not be any less sad. I would rather win in L.A. than lose in Atlanta. Absolutely. That's 100% right. There's no doubt about it. So, But I think the Braves are in a good spot. You're up 3-1. You have an opportunity. They had a bullpen game last night, and they still won. So that's huge. So now the Braves have three chances to play their starters, play, use their bullpen, and just throw the kitchen sink at the Dodgers and try to end this thing. But the Dodgers are going to be doing the exact same thing because they're on life support tonight. Yes, I will definitely be following this one as closely as I can from the Auburn Soccer Complex, which I'm really excited for that game. That's going to be a barn burner. Yeah, you got your first color commentary live broadcast, huh? That's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Couldn't ask for a better game. Um, I'm glad that the folks here at Weagle entrust me with such a responsibility, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my all. We're going to get it done. And hopefully Auburn can do the same. Uh, Karen Hoppe does a great job running this program. And I think, I think Auburn's going to get it done. Yeah, you got yourself a good opportunity for your first game. You got Auburn, who is ranked, tw- or I think there's 16 in the rankings right now yeah, in Arkansas. 16. Arkansas number four. So Auburn's got a, a big home matchup tonight. What time's that game? 6.30? 6.30. So you guys will probably be going live about 6.15. So anybody out there wanting to listen to Auburn soccer, if you're not in Auburn, tune in. WGL 91.1 FM. You can listen to, to Daniel and Brendan on the call. Oh, yeah. And – so what do you think went wrong for Boston? It's it's not over, but what in the games that they've had in hand and then thrown away, what do you think was the biggest mistake made? The thing that's plagued Boston for so long is their bullpen. And but at the same time in this series, take last night for example, they pulled Chris Sale in the third inning because he had already allowed three runs. So I think our starting pitching has been shaky outside of Evaldi. I think Evaldi has had a fantastic season and a regular and a postseason, but outside of that, the Red Sox just haven't had the starting pitching that they need. And then the bullpen has blown it. Like you said earlier, they had that seven-run, nine-inning Houston did in Game Three or Four. I can't remember. It was one of those games, and that's on the bullpen. And so that's a game that Boston had a legitimate chance to le- to win. They were in control in the blue. And wow, excuse me, in the bullpen blew it. So you know it's. 
and Boston is just kind of they let Houston hang around, and here we are. Houston's up three two. I just remember on Saturday when the Red Sox had two grand slams in one game. We were you and um, Noah were calling Auburn volleyball. I was in the studio for that. We were talking over to Quiet Mike, which is for those of you not familiar with radio, that's the mic that we can hear each other talking to, but y'all can't hear. It's sort of like a walkie-talkie. But we were just so excited because we're all Red Sox fans. We were going crazy. And then Monday night, Red Sox win 12-3. to So I just don't understand what's going on in Boston. Yeah, it's just a lot of flip-flopping right now in the series. But, again, Houston's now up 3-2, and we're back in Houston. So, you know, the Red Sox have a lot of work to do. Fortunately, the Red Sox have proven that they can win in Houston. So they're going to have to do it again. And – they're going to have to do everything they can because Houston's good, and they've got the talent, they've got the bats, and right now they've got the starting pitching as well. They do. They look like a very complete team. You have very talented players like Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa. Just Honestly, you could probably make an argument for them being the most talented team in the game, top to bottom. I'm sure not very many people would disagree. Yeah, they've got a lot of talent when it comes to, to the offense and then their starting pitchers have just been lights out, and, you know, their bullpen has come in and, and done the job. But I'm uh, looking at my phone right here for the Dodgers tonight against the Braves. They have announced they are starting Joe Kelly in Game 5 against the Braves. So the old Red Sox pitcher Joe Kelly getting a start for the Dodgers tonight against the Braves. Just a little little news there. And I see that Atlanta is going to rock with Big Max. Oh, okay, okay. I like that a lot. Um he hasn't pitched in a little bit. I think he's pretty well rested, so I think that'll be good. Yeah, I think he's a he's a good he's a solid guy to throw out there. And if you remember, Joe Kelly's not really a starter; he's more of a, a reliever from the bullpen. So they must they must not feel comfortable with any of their starters' arms being healthy enough. So they're going to go with him. Probably think he has the healthiest and best chance. So we'll see how it goes. I do have to say I respect Joe Kelly a lot for last year when he stood up to the Astros for what they did and basically stole a World Series from them. Yeah, he is a very outspoken player. He will definitely let you know what he's thinking at all times. But he's the kind of guy that you love to watch, a great competitor. That's going to wrap up our MLB postseason talk for today's show. When we come back, we're going to get into some NFL action. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke, joined in the studio today by special guest Jacob Goins. Keep that dial right here. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am your host, Daniel Locke. Joining me in the studio today, very special guest, good buddy of mine. We found out last night that we're neighbors, believe it or not, Jacob Goins. Jacob, thank you for coming on today. No problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. Let's get let's gloss over week six in the NFL real quick. Did any did any of these games really stick out to you as just being special? Uh, from last week, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there were some good, there were some good games last week. You know, my Packers, I'm a huge Packers fan. We had that double digit win over the Bears on the road, so that's always that's always exciting to see because I hate the Bears if we're just being honest. So, but that Vikings Panthers game in overtime was an extremely good one, back and forth. You know, pack. Uh, I think the the Vikings were up by a lot. And then the Panthers came back and got up by a few scores. And then the Vikings came back and it was back and forth. So that was a good one. I actually caught the tail end of that one. 
uh, on Sunday afternoon. And then, other than that, uh, the Sunday night football game, the Steelers and Seahawks last week was a good one too. So that went to overtime as well. I thought that was interesting. And then the Monday night football game, the Titans and Bills was also uh, a good matchup. Bills surprisingly losing. Titans got a big upset win. Yeah, that that was that was crazy. And it seems like the theme here for this week in the NFL was like we had three overtime games and then two, three, excuse me, three one-possession games. But other than that, everything was a blowout. Yeah, a lot of blowouts, and then there was really no in-between. It was either a one-score game or it was a 20-point win. So, But yeah. it happens sometimes in the NFL. Yep. One of my favorites was um, Dallas at New England, which is it's the first time ever, or not ever, but first time in a while that Bill Belichick has lost four games at home. Yeah, it's kind of surprising just, you know, how legendary he is and how good he's been over the years. Yeah, it's crazy to see. And it, I'm really interested to see how good of a coach he really is, meaning can he get these Patriots back on track? Yeah, and he's playing with, you know, just a lot of young talent. He's got Mac Jones as his quarterback, who is not Tom Brady. But Mac Jones has been very good. He's been very reliable. And we're really seeing how good of a coach Bill Belichick is. So, you know, they cut Cam Newton, and they're running with Mac Jones. But so far, I think they're doing all right. Yeah, I think so too. And they're limping, but, you know, limping's better than crawling. So moving into this week, we were talking about it during the break. Tonight on Thursday Night Football, Denver at Cleveland. Which way are you going with this one? You know, I'm actually kind of split on this one. I did not realize that both of these teams were 500 teams. I thought if I didn't hadn't looked at the records, I would have thought they were much better than that. But I'm going to take – give me the Browns at home. I like the Browns at home. Uh, Baker Mayfield is a little beat up, but I, they actually announced today he's going to get some kind of off-season surgery, but I think he's still good to go for this season. But, yeah, give me the Browns at home tonight. Okay. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with Denver, but I think it'll be close. So, moving into the Sunday slate of things, the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Cincinnati Bengals will be headed to Baltimore, Maryland to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I'm personally rocking with the Ravens. I don't really see I don't see the Bengals going in and winning at what you could argue is one of the tougher road environments in the NFL. For sure. But I, I like how the Bengals are playing. I like Joe Burrow and how he's been handling that team. I mean, they're four and two, so I mean that's that's pretty solid for the Bengals. It's a huge division game. The Ravens are definitely favored to win and the Ravens probably should win. But look for the Bengals to give them a fight on Sunday. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, entertaining football is always better than blowout, so I really hope they have a fight. So moving on, your Packers are hosting the name-redacted Washington football team at Lambeau Field. This is in the early window. The Packers are a 7.5-point favorite. The over-under is 48.5. I'm definitely going to go with the Packers. I feel like I'd be kind of stupid not to be. I would imagine that you're rocking with the Packs as well. Yes, Packers by a million. Yeah, that, that that's a fairly uh, reasonable stance on this one, I think. So this is an intriguing one. Calvin Ridley and the Atlanta Falcons are going to be facing off against the Miami Dolphins. Is, is Tua starting? Tua is 
not starting. I actually don't know the status of that. It's been kind of back and forth, but I'm actually not sure if he's starting or not. So I don't know. He's listed as questionable currently, so I guess we could see. They are trying to move him, apparently. That's what I've been hearing is Miami is trying to get rid of him. I don't know if that's true, but that's just what I've heard. Yeah, it's just I kind of feel bad for the Dolphins. They can never get seem to get these rebuilds off the ground just when it looks like they could be making some movement in the right direction. Tua Tungvaloa, do they take with the fourth overall pick? So, uh, third, I believe. Uh, third or fourth, something like that. And then that's kind of falling flat. But Miami is still a narrow favorite. This is probably the most narrow FPI predictor this week, I would imagine. But Yeah, two two lower-tier teams, but sometimes those are some of the best games in the NFL when you get two teams that are not good, you know, based off their record. Sometimes those are the best games when you get the bottom-tier teams playing at each other because it's just entertaining. I wholeheartedly agree. Huh, here we go. Two not very good teams. New York Jets are going to face Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and New England Patriots. Do you think the Jets lose their losing streak in Foxborough? No. The Patriots will win that game. Mac Jones will have a good day against that awful Jets defense. Bill Belichick will show show his true greatness, as we've seen in the past. Not that beating the Jets is great. I'm just saying we'll see the mastermind of Bill Belichick come to work when he plays the Jets because he always has something up his sleeve when he plays them. That's fair. Carolina Panthers are going up to East Rutherford, New Jersey, to take on the New York Giants. As a Saints fan, my advice to another NFC South team, do not take this team lightly. Their one win came off of an overtime win in New Orleans. Yeah, Panthers and Giants is an interesting one. Panthers should probably win, but road game at New York. So Panthers better be ready. Yeah, this is not the team to sleep on, trust me. So, Kansas City Chiefs, who are struggling, to say the least, are going down the Music City to take on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. I'm, I'm going to go with the Titans. Yeah, it's definitely one of the bigger games of the weekend. Pack, or excuse me, the Titans coming off of their big win last week. And so, and the Chiefs, like you said, being a 500 team, Patrick Mahomes, he's playing well, but not great. He's had more interceptions this season than he had all of last season, I believe. So, and we're only six games in. So that's an underrated game for sure. And that's right there in that 12 o'clock central slate. So that's first game of the day. So I think it'll be a good one. I like the Chiefs, though. I think they get it done. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. I do think it'll be a good one. So that's it for the 12 o'clock window. Moving into the 3 o'clock window, first things first, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, are going to travel to Vegas to face off against Derek Carr and the Raiders in the Death Star there. No John Gruden. Um, Vegas is favored. The over-under is 49. I've, I've got to go with the Raiders, I think. Yeah, I, I would think the Raiders probably get it done at home easily. This is a very intriguing matchup. Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Jared is making his return to L.A. to face off against Matt Stafford and the Rams. L.A. is favored by 15. The over-under is 50.5. You know, I'm happy for Matt Stafford. I'm glad that for the first time he gets to play good football. Yeah, Matt Stafford is 
he's an underrated quarterback. He was not, you know, his image was not good playing in Detroit for all those years, but now he's at a team that can actually do something. So he's able to do his own thing. But I will say this, Jared Goff playing for the Lions now, they've had some tough breaks. And I know they're 0-6 and are not playing good football. They got beat by double digits against the Bengals last week. But this will be a close game, in my opinion. So if you're a betting person, I would take the Lions plus 15. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, take the Lions plus 15. Just Because I think this will be a close game. I think it's going to be an emotional game for both quarterbacks. So I think it's a good one. I hope it's a good one. But, yeah, give me the give me the Lions plus 15, but the Rams will win. I got you. So moving on, Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals. Not much to talk about here. Arizona's favored by 17.5. I'm rocking with the Cardinals. I imagine you are too. Cardinals will win, but they will not cover. Okay, that's a good take. That's fair. So the Chicago Bears going to Tampa Bay to face off against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Who are you going with? We can only hope that the Buccaneers beat the Bears. That's all I can say. They will beat them. Tom Brady will have a, a field day against that Bears defense. Fair. Colts at Niners. I'm rocking with the Niners. I'll take the Colts just to be that guy. Fair enough. And to close out this week in the NFL, my New Orleans Saints are traveling up to Seattle, Washington to take off the Russell take on the Russell Wilson list Seattle Seahawks. I think they get it done. I think the Saints are going to be able to handle Geno Smith. Even though Geno Smith is starting, give me Seattle at home, Monday Night Football, mark it down, Seattle wins. Hopefully it's not like the 2013 Monday Night Football Saints versus Seahawks, which is labeled as the Monday Night Massacre. Yes, I don't think it'll be that, but yeah, give me the Seahawks at home that night. That's fair. That's a good take, and I, I respect that. So that is all the time we have here today. Thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us. I'll be covering Auburn's soccer match against Arkansas right here on Weagle at 6.30. Jacob, do you have anything to say before we get out of here? I uh, just appreciate you having me on. My name's Jacob Goins. My sports talk show is Moonlight Madness here on WGN 91.1. It's from Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google. Just look up, just look up Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. You can also catch me on there from time to time. You can follow Jacob on Twitter at Jacob2Goins. Thank you so much. Have a great day and War Eagle. You've been listening to The Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. Be sure to tune in next Thursday at 3 o'clock for more sports action on the Plains. As always, if you miss out, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. Until next time, have a great day and we're equal.